Section 34 of Essays, Book 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Cynthia Moyer. Essays, Book 3, by Michel de Montaigne. Translated by Charles Cotton. Of Experience, Part 5. If I had any sons, I should willingly wish them my fortune. The good father that God gave me, who has nothing of me but the acknowledgment of his goodness, but truly tis a very hearty one, sent me from my cradle to be brought up in a poor village of his, and there continued me all the while I was at nurse, and still longer, bringing me up to the meanest and most common way of living. Magna pars libertatis est bene moratus venter. A well-governed stomach is a great part of liberty. Seneca, Epistle 123. Never take upon yourselves, and much less give up to your wives, the care of their nurture. Leave the formation to fortune under popular and natural laws. Leave it to custom to train them up to frugality and hardship, that they may rather descend from rigor than mount up to it. This humor of his yet aimed at another end, to make me familiar with the people and the condition of men who most need our assistance, considering that I should rather regard them who extend their arms to me than those who turn their backs upon me. And for this reason it was that he provided to hold me at the font persons of the meanest fortune to oblige and attach me to them. Nor has his design succeeded altogether ill, for whether upon the account of the more honor in such a condescension, or out of a natural compassion that has a very great power over me, I have an inclination towards the meaner sort of people. The faction which I should condemn in our wars, I should more sharply condemn flourishing and successful. It will somewhat reconcile me to it when I shall see it miserable and overwhelmed. How willingly do I admire the fine humor of Chelonis, daughter and wife to kings of Sparta, whilst her husband, Cleombrotus, in the commotion of her city, had the advantage over Leonidas, her father, she, like a good daughter, stuck close to her father in all his misery and exile, in opposition to the conqueror. But so soon as the chance of war turned, she changed her will with the change of fortune and bravely turned to her husband's side, whom she accompanied throughout where his ruin carried him. Admitting, as it appears to me, 
no other choice than to cleave to the side that stood most in need of her and where she could best manifest her compassion i am naturally more apt to follow the example of flaminius who rather gave his assistance to those who had most need of him than to those who had power to do him good than i do to that of pyrrhus who was of an humour to truckle under the great and to domineer over the poor long sittings at table both trouble me and do me harm for be it that i was so accustomed when a child i eat all the while i sit therefore it is that at my own house though the meals there are of the shortest i usually sit down a little while after the rest after the manner of augustus but i do not imitate him in rising also before the rest on the contrary i love to sit still a long time after and to hear them talk provided i am none of the talkers for i tire and hurt myself with speaking upon a full stomach as much as i find it very wholesome and pleasant to argue and to strain my voice before dinner the ancient greeks and romans had more reason than we in setting apart for eating which is a principal action of life if they were not prevented by other extraordinary business many hours and the greatest part of the night eating and drinking more deliberately than we do who perform all our actions post haste and in extending this natural pleasure to more leisure and better use intermixing with profitable conversation they whose concern it is to have a care of me may very easily hinder me from eating anything they think will do me harm for in such matters i never covet nor miss anything i do not see but withal if it once comes in my sight tis in vain to persuade me to forbear so that when i design to fast i must be kept apart from the suppers and must have only so much given me as is required for a prescribed collation for if to table i forget my resolution when i order my cook to alter the manner of dressing any dish all my family know what it means that my stomach is out of order and that i shall not touch it i love to have all meats that will endure it very little boiled or roasted and prefer them very high and even as to several quite gone nothing but hardness generally offends me of any other quality i am as patient and indifferent as any man i have known so that contrary to the common humour even in fish it often happens that i find them both too fresh and too firm not for want of teeth which i ever had good even to excellence and which age does not now begin to threaten 
I have always been used every morning to rub them with a napkin and before and after dinner. God is favorable to those whom he makes to die by degrees. Tis the only benefit of old age. The last death will be so much the less painful. It will kill but a half or a quarter of a man. There is one tooth lately fallen out without drawing and without pain. It was the natural term of its duration. In that part of my being and several others are already dead, others half dead, of those that were most active and in the first rank during my vigorous years. Tis so I melt and steal away from myself. What a folly it would be in my understanding to apprehend the height of this fall, already so much advanced, as if it were from the very top. I hope I shall not. I, in truth, receive a principal consolation in meditating my death, that it will be just and natural, and that henceforward I cannot herein either require or hope from destiny any other but unlawful favor. Men make themselves believe that we formerly had longer lives as well as greater stature, but they deceive themselves, and Solon, who was of those elder times, limits the duration of life to threescore and ten years. I, who have so much and so universally adored that the mean is best of the past time, and who have concluded the most moderate measures to be the most perfect, shall I pretend to an immeasurable and prodigious old age? Whatever happens contrary to the course of nature may be troublesome, but what comes according to her should always be pleasant. Omnia quae secundum naturam fiunt sunt habenda in bonis. All things that are done according to nature are to be accounted good. Cicero, De Senectute, Chapter 19 And so, says Plato, the death which is occasioned by wounds and diseases is violent, but that which comes upon us, old age conducting us to it, is of all others the most easy, and in some sort delicious. Vitam adolescentibus vis aufert senibus maturitas. Young men are taken away by violence, old men by maturity. Cicero, Ubi Supra. Death mixes and confounds itself throughout with life. Decay anticipates its hour and shoulders itself even into the course of our advance. I have portraits of myself taken at five and twenty and five and thirty years of age. I compare them with that lately drawn. How many times is it no longer me? How much more is my present image unlike the former 
than unlike my dying one. It is too much to abuse nature to make her trot so far that she must be forced to leave us and abandon our conduct, our eyes, teeth, legs, and all the rest to the mercy of a foreign and haggard countenance, and to resign us into the hands of art, being weary of following us herself. I am not excessively fond either of salads or fruits, except melons. My father hated all sorts of sauces. I love them all. Eating too much hurts me, but as to the quality of what I eat, I do not yet certainly know that any sort of meat disagrees with me. Neither have I observed that either full moon or decrease, autumn or spring, have any influence upon me. We have in us motions that are inconstant and unknown. For example, I found radishes first grateful to my stomach, since that nauseous, and now again grateful. In several other things I find my stomach and appetite vary after the same manner. I have changed again and again from white wine to claret, from claret to white wine. I am a great lover of fish, and consequently make my fasts feasts and feasts fasts, and I believe what some people say, that it is more easy of digestion than flesh. As I make a conscience of eating flesh upon fish days, so does my taste make a conscience of mixing fish and flesh. The difference betwixt them seems to me too remote. From my youth I have sometimes kept out of the way at meals, either to sharpen my appetite against the next morning, for, as Epicurus fasted and made lean meals to accustom his pleasure to make shift without abundance, I, on the contrary, do it to prepare my pleasure to make better and more cheerful use of abundance. Or else I fasted to preserve my vigor for the service of some action of body or mind, for both the one and the other of these is cruelly dulled in me by repletion. And, above all things, I hate that foolish coupling of so healthful and sprightly a goddess with that little belching god, bloated with the fumes of his liquor, or to cure my sick stomach, or for want of fit company. For I say, as the same Epicurus did, that one is not so much to regard what he eats as with whom. And I commend Kilo that he would not engage himself to be at Periander's feast till he was first informed who were to be the other guests. No dish is so acceptable to me, nor no sauce so appetizing, as that which is extracted from society. I think it more wholesome to eat more leisurely and less 
and to eat oftener but i would have appetite and hunger attended to i should take no pleasure to be fed with three or four pitiful and stinted repasts a day after a medicinal manner who will assure me that if i have a good appetite in the morning i shall have the same at supper but we old fellows especially let us take the first opportune time of eating and leave to almanac makers hopes and prognostics the utmost fruit of my health is pleasure let us take hold of the present and known i avoid the invariable in these laws of fasting he who would have one form serve him let him avoid the continuing it we harden ourselves in it our strength is there stupefied and laid asleep six months after you shall find your stomach so inured to it that all you have got is the loss of your liberty of doing otherwise but to your prejudice i never keep my legs and thighs warmer in winter than in summer one simple pair of silk stockings is all i have suffered myself for the relief of my colds to keep my head warmer and my belly upon the account of my colic my diseases in a few days habituate themselves thereto and disdained my ordinary provisions we soon get from a coif to a kerchief over it from a simple cap to a quilted hat the trimmings of the doublet must not merely serve for ornament there must be added a hare's skin or a vulture's skin and a cap under the hat follow this gradation and you will go a very fine way to work i will do nothing of the sort and would willingly leave off what i have begun if you fall into any new inconvenience all this is labor lost you are accustomed to it seek out some other thus do they destroy themselves who submit to be pestered with these enforced and superstitious rules they must add something more and something more after that there is no end on't for what concerns our affairs and pleasures it is much more commodious as the ancients did to lose one's dinner and defer making good cheer till the hour of retirement and repose without breaking up a day and so was i formerly used to do as to health i since by experience find on the contrary that it is better to dine and that the digestion is better while awake i am not very used to be thirsty either well or sick my mouth is indeed apt to be dry but without thirst and commonly i never drink but with thirst that is created by eating and far on in the meal i drink pretty well for a man of my pitch in summer and at a relishing meal i do not only exceed the limits of augustus who drank but 
thrice precisely, but not to offend Democritus' rule, who forbade that men should stop at four times as an unlucky number, I proceed at need to the fifth glass, about three half-pints, for the little glasses are my favourites, and I like to drink them off, which other people avoid as an unbecoming thing. I mix my wine sometimes with half, sometimes with the third part water, and when I am at home, by an ancient custom that my father's physician prescribed both to him and himself, they mix that which is designed for me in the buttery two or three hours before tis brought in. Tis said that Cranaus, king of Attica, was the inventor of this custom of diluting wine. Whether useful or no, I have heard disputed. I think it more decent and wholesome for children to drink no wine till after sixteen or eighteen years of age. The most usual and common method of living is the most becoming. All particularity, in my opinion, is to be avoided, and I should as much hate a German who mixed water with his wine as I should a Frenchman who drank it pure. Public usage gives the law in these things. I fear a mist, and fly from smoke as from the plague. The first repairs I fell upon in my own house were the chimneys and houses of office, the common and insupportable defects of all old buildings. And amongst the difficulties of war, I reckon the choking dust they made us ride in a whole day together. I have a free and easy respiration, and my colds, for the most part, go off without offence to the lungs and without a cough. The heat of summer is more an enemy to me than the cold of winter, for, besides the incommodity of heat, less remediable than cold, and besides the force of the sunbeams that strike upon the head, all glittering light offends my eyes, so that I could not now sit at dinner over against a flaming fire. To dull the whiteness of paper, in those times when I was more wont to read, I laid a piece of glass upon my book, and found my eyes much relieved by it. I am, to this hour, to the age of fifty-four, ignorant of the use of spectacles, and I can see as far as ever I did, or any other. Tis true that in the evening I begin to find a little disturbance and weakness in my sight if I read, an exercise I have always found troublesome, especially by night. Here is one step back, and a very manifest one. I shall retire another, from the second to the third, and so to the fourth, so gently, that I shall be stark blind before I shall be sensible of the age and decay of my sight. So 
artificially do the fatal sisters untwist our lives and so i doubt whether my hearing begins to grow thick and you will see i shall have half lost it when i shall still lay the fault on the voices of those who speak to me a man must screw up his soul to a high pitch to make it sensible how it ebbs away my walking is quick and firm and i know not which of the two my mind or my body i have most to do to keep in the same state that preacher is very much my friend who can fix my attention a whole sermon through in places of ceremony where every one's countenance is so starched where i have seen the ladies keep even their eyes so fixed i could never order it so that some part or other of me did not lash out so that though i was seated i was never settled and as to gesticulation i am never without a switch in my hand walking or riding as the philosopher chrysippus's maid said of her master that he was only drunk in his legs for it was his custom to be always kicking them about in what place soever he sat and she said it when the wine having made all his companions drunk he found no alteration in himself at all it may have been said of me from my infancy that i had either folly or quicksilver in my feet so much stirring and unsettledness there is in them wherever they are placed tis indecent besides the hurt it does to one's health and even to the pleasure of eating to eat greedily as i do i often bite my tongue and sometimes my fingers in my haste diogenes meeting a boy eating after that manner gave his tutor a box on the ear there were men at rome that taught people to chew as well as to walk with a good grace i lose thereby the leisure of speaking which gives great relish to the table provided the discourse be suitable that is pleasant and short there is jealousy and envy amongst our pleasures they cross and hinder one another alcibiades a man who well understood how to make good cheer banished even music from the table that it might not disturb the entertainment of discourse for the reason as plato tells us that it is the custom of ordinary people to call fiddlers and singing men to feasts for want of good discourse and pleasant talk with which men of understanding know how to entertain one another varro requires all this in entertainments persons of graceful presence and agreeable conversation who are neither silent nor garrulous neatness and delicacy both of meat and place and fair weather the art of dining well is no slight art 
the pleasure not a slight pleasure neither the greatest captains nor the greatest philosophers have disdained the use or science of eating well my imagination has delivered three repasts to the custody of my memory which fortune rendered sovereignly sweet to me upon several occasions in my more flourishing age my present state excludes me for every one according to the good temper of body and mind wherein he then finds himself furnishes for his own share a particular grace and savour i who but crawl upon the earth hate this inhuman wisdom that will have us despise and hate all culture of the body i look upon it as an equal injustice to loathe natural pleasures as to be too much in love with them xerxes was a blockhead who environed with all human delights proposed a reward to him who could find out others but he is not much less so who cuts off any of those pleasures that nature has provided for him a man should neither pursue nor avoid them but receive them i receive them i confess a little too warmly and kindly and easily suffer myself to follow my natural propensions we have no need to exaggerate their inanity they themselves will make us sufficiently sensible of it thanks to our sick wet blanket mind that puts us out of taste with them as with itself it treats both itself and all it receives one while better and another worse according to its insatiable vagabond and versatile essence sincerum est nisivas quod cunque infundis acescit unless the vessel be clean it will sour whatever you put into it horace epistle one two fifty four i who boast that i so curiously and particularly embrace the conveniences of life find them when i most nearly consider them very little more than wind but what we are all wind throughout and moreover the wind itself more discreet than we loves to bluster and shift from corner to corner and contents itself with its proper offices without desiring stability and solidity qualities not its own the pure pleasures as well as the pure displeasures of the imagination say some are the greatest as was expressed by the balance of critolaus tis no wonder it makes them to its own liking and cuts them out of the whole cloth of this i every day see notable examples and peradventure to be desired but i who am of a mixed and heavy condition cannot snap so soon at this one simple object 
but that I negligently suffer myself to be carried away with the present pleasures of the general human law, intellectually sensible and sensibly intellectual. The Cyrenaic philosophers will have it that as corporal pains, so corporal pleasures are more powerful, both as double and as more just. There are some, as Aristotle says, who, out of a savage kind of stupidity, dislike them. And I know others who, out of ambition, do the same. Why do they not, moreover, forswear breathing? Why do they not live of their own? Why not refuse light, because it is gratuitous and costs them neither invention nor exertion? Let Mars, Pallas, or Mercury afford them their light by which to see, instead of Venus, Ceres, and Bacchus. These boastful humours may counterfeit some content, for what will not fancy do but as to wisdom there is no touch of it will they not seek the quadrature of the circle even when on their wives i hate that we should be enjoined to have our minds in the clouds when our bodies are at table i would not have the mind nailed there nor wallow there i would have it take place there and sit but not lie down aristippus maintained nothing but the body as if we had no soul zeno comprehended only the soul as if we had no body both of them faultily pythagoras they say followed a philosophy that was all contemplation socrates one that was all conduct and action plato found a mean betwixt the two but they only say this for the sake of talking the true temperament is found in socrates and plato is much more socratic than pythagoric and it becomes him better when i dance i dance when i sleep i sleep nay when i walk alone in a beautiful orchard if my thoughts are some part of the time taken up with external occurrences i some part of the time call them back again to my walk to the orchard to the sweetness of that solitude and to myself nature has mother-like observed this that the actions she has enjoined us for our necessity should be also pleasurable to us and she invites us to them not only by reason but also by appetite and tis injustice to infringe her laws when i see alike caesar and alexander in the midst of his greatest business so fully enjoy human and corporal pleasures i do not say that he relaxed his mind i say that he strengthened it by vigour of courage subjecting those violent employments and laborious thoughts to the ordinary usage of life 
wise had he believed the last was his ordinary the first his extraordinary vocation we are great fools he has passed his life in idleness say we i have done nothing to-day what have you not lived that is not only the fundamental but the most illustrious of your occupations had i been put to the management of great affairs i should have made it seen what i could do have you known how to meditate and manage your life you have performed the greatest work of all in order to shew and develop herself nature needs only fortune she equally manifests herself in all stages and behind a curtain as well as without one have you known how to regulate your conduct you have done a great deal more than he who has composed books have you known how to take repose you have done more than he who has taken empires and cities end of section thirty four